this is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, we Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, we Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, we Marking Out, y'all. Spread it like this. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, we Marking Out, y'all. We're marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Welcome fans. to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. And as you can hear from those bells, ho, 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 because it is our Christmas edition of Marking Out. Make sure you check out all of our previous episodes on MarkingOut.com. Make sure that you also subscribe and download on all the other platforms such as Apple Podcasts. And make sure, I mean, make sure that you head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut and buy a t-shirt. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at MarkingOut11. You also want to follow us on Twitter at MarkinOut. You can follow me, Dave the Rave, on Twitter and on Instagram at MarkinOut11. And also David PT DPT. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, you can go follow at BTTG161 and also follow Chris at Chris Sweendog. This is collectively episode. 568 and we are going to kick it off great and talking about great brandon how are you i'm doing awesome as always how about yourself doing uh you know doing good doing great doing awesome doing fantastic how was your week week? jinx jinx double jinx no but for real how was your week my week was good there's no snow which is uh weird you know, with a Christmas edition and everything, you kind of want some. Uh... It doesn't always snow on Christmas here. Yeah, but you you kind of want. And by the way, <laughs> I think it might be snowing right now. Oh well, I can't just stand up and walk away. <laughs> now can I? Yeah. But yeah, my week was good. It was no snow. How about you? How was your week? It was uh, it was decent. Merry Christmas to everybody that celebrates. I. Uh... Ordered Chinese food from a new place this week, and they had really good reviews, so I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll try it. But now I can't trust any of those people who left five-star reviews. Uh Uh-oh. I legitimately, no joke, thought I had COVID again. Oh. While eating it, because like I'm eating the rice, no taste. I'm eating the lo mein, I'm like, oh God, there's no way. And then I tried the the sesame chicken, and that had some taste to it. So (laughs) I was, like, shocked. And then it was funny because I was going through, like, all the reviews afterwards. Uh And one review, one person says they actually thought they had COVID, too. Oh, wow. That's that's weird. Yeah. I lived lived COVID, so I know what it was like to not taste. And that's exactly what it felt like. And I was just like... I've never had that bad of Chinese food before. It's bizarre, especially for that many uh, reviews that mm-hmm. were positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it made no sense. Yeah, that stinks, you know. And hey, everybody listening, go get that vaccine. Go get the booster if you have not yet. But yeah, but, uh, yeah I, I actually like, just had some Chinese food too. And that's bizarre though, because it's like I feel like in New York, 
it's been going downhill. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, unfortunately, everything like, is uproaring right there's now. There's no reason, for me, there's no reason why I get better Chinese food made by Puerto Ricans in Florida than I get from Chinese Americans here. Yeah, yeah. No, or it's Chinese in general. It, it's hard to uh to find a good Chinese food place. You know, I I went to one the last week or 2 weeks ago in Belmore and it it wasn't all that great. It was pretty Wait disappointing. A Wait a minute. You went to Chinese or you went to Asian Fusion? Chinese. Okay. Yeah, it was Chinese, but it was pretty disappointing. Yeah, I don't get it cuz like New York used to be have an abundance of great Chinese food. Yeah. But I also, uh, a friend from high school ended up stopping by. He's up from South Kakalak, and I legitimately have not seen him in like eight years, which is crazy. Wow. Uh, the last time I saw him, we actually went to Patty Power to catch up during the day. Mm-hmm. And that was like, who goes to Patty Power during the day? It was like us and a few Irish people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That seems pretty accurate. Yeah, but it was nice to catch up with him again. And he was showing me one of his houses in uh, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. a few counties over from Knox County. Nice, And it's literally, it's a log cabin just overlooking the Smoky Mountains. And it's like an absolutely incredible view. But it was great to see him again. And uh, hopefully he'll be up more often now. And um, speaking of Patty Power... Big anniversary of the the time Zack Ryder won the U.S. championship. Wow. And <laughs> everyone went to Patty Power to celebrate. That was 10 years ago. It was probably 10 years ago, like today or something like that. That's, you know, time flies. That's crazy. Yeah. Couldn't get to the other side of the bar, but I saw him. He high-fived me. I accidentally elbowed some dude in the head. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, time flies, dude. Time flies. Yeah. Uh, Before we move to Monday Night Raw, I wanted to make mention of Corporal Kirshner, who passed away at the age of 64 this week. Before getting into professional wrestling, he was a paratrooper in the Army. And then when he was in professional wrestling, he wrestled for the WWE in the 80s. I'd say maybe his biggest match was at WrestleMania 2, where he defeated Nikolai Volkov in a flag match. But... He worked after WWE as Leatherface in Japan, which it's almost bizarre to say. I think that's how I first knew of him. Yeah, like I mean, way for, after the fact. For me, I, I yeah, for me, I, I knew of him really more so as like Leatherface, you know, with the uh, the death matches and everything. Yeah, but our yeah. condolences go out to his family and his friends. Um. So, I'm sh- I'm not sure how much of his content would be on WWE Network. Obviously, WrestleMania 2 is, so you could watch that. But definitely check it out. Yeah, very unfortunate. But let's move on to some pro wrestling talk and talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Kicking off with MVP and Bobby Lashley. For me, it wasn't the strongest MVP promo. Yeah, it. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't strike a chord with me or anything like that. I get why we opened up with them, but wasn't 
It was missing something. Yeah, but Big E cuts him off and spoke about what MVP did last week to him. And Lashley said that he doesn't need anybody's help to beat Big E. And then Lashley kind of like threw MVP under the bus and left the ring to see if Big E could take out MVP. And then Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens jumped Bobby Lashley. And then Big E attacked them, which to me makes the WWE champion look dumb. I don't think so. He's instead, like, yes, he's being, like, heroic, perhaps, and, like, sticking up for, like, he doesn't need the help of Seth Rollins. He doesn't need the help of Kevin Owens. But here he is, a chance to have Bobby Lashley weakened before the day one pay-per-view. And he doesn't care about that. He's just getting himself beat up. Yeah. I I mean, sometimes he's stubborn you know doesn't want to align himself with seth rollins and he doesn't have to align himself though he could just stand by the side and watch it not do anything for yeah for what we have been seeing bobby lashley is still a heel yet they're trying for some reason it seems like they're trying to turn him face i don't know i keep on seeing him as heel i don't really know we saw those two video packages and as of late it seems like he's kind of Turning a new leaf. No, I, I don't see him as face, or I, I, I definitely see him as a, as the heel in all of this. Well, after that, we saw Kevin Owens and and Seth Rollins arguing about Bobby Lashley and getting him out of the match, and then Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville approached them and set up a tag team match for the main event. The first actual match on Monday Night Raw saw Bianca Belair picking up the victory over Dewdrop which was dubbed the final chapter. I guess, thank goodness, unfortunately. I mean, I don't understand, like, I feel like it was, I don't know, it seemed like it had a lot of potential, and then it just got rushed. Well, first of all, I was just never, I I just wasn't connecting to this feud. Bianca Belair had two wins over Dewdrop already, so I thought for sure Dewdrop was going to get the victory over her here. Mm-hmm. But we see Dewdrop hit a sit-down powerbomb. She goes to follow it up with a Vader bomb, but Bianca Belair moves, hits the, the kiss of death. And for me, it was an absolutely pointless match, pointless feud. Three losses in a row for Dewdrop. Yeah, it did nothing for Dewdrop. If anything, it built up Belair with her ability to be able to lift her. I mean, even on the Instagram for uh, for WWE, they have... Featuring um, the the biggest feat of strengths, and of course you have like Lex Luger body slam Yokozuna. Uh, you have Cena. <laughs> that is that is almost like insulting. That's insulting to have one of your like Yokozuna being body slammed compared to Bel Air lifting Dewdrop is, I think, insulting. Yeah, well, also on the list, they have had, like, uh, John Cena doing the AA to Giant Kali. You had Giant Kali, great Kali. Great Kali. You had uh, Cesaro doing the swing to Kali. Um, and then, of course, you have Belair hitting her move on Dewdrop. Nothing with Belair and Otis? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, yeah, may, I don't know... I don't think this will bring back Piper Niven, but uh, where does she go from here? 
I don't know. I, I feel like she's being very limited in this role uh, right now. I, I really don't know what's going to... What's going to happen with this? But next up, you had Finn Balor pick up the victory. Oh, well, actually, before that, Austin Theory was interviewed backstage about Vince McMahon. And he said that he thinks Vince McMahon sees him as a future WWE champion. And then we go into the match. Finn Balor picks up the victory over Austin Theory. Yeah, this match didn't really, I don't know, it didn't do much for me. There was a nice neck breaker from the apron that Austin Theory hit. I liked, obviously, the springboard C4, which uh, commentary is like, we've never seen this before, which is, we've seen this before. Mm -hmm. Umberto Carrillo used to hit it almost weekly, I think. But, and not to mention Austin Theory also hit the move. But (laughs) Finn Balor pulled him in uh, after that. He went for a selfie, so Balor got, he was able to take advantage of that, recovered, and uh, we saw an eye of the hurricane and a coup de gras to pick up the victory. And then Austin Theory later on attacked Finn Balor. And he approached Vince McMahon about what happened. And Vince said that he still lost his match. Vince McMahon thought about firing him. And he loves to do that. He loves firing people, especially during the holidays or before the holidays. But he's going to be giving Austin Theory another chance to defeat Finn Balor. And then he blew the eraser dust in Theory's face, which I popped for. But man, oh man, did that cause some controversy. Yeah, those comments I can definitely see not being the best well-worded sentences. It's literally his character. His catchphrase is, you're fired. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I understand what's happening in real life also, but Mr. McMahon is a character. <laughs> he he should have he should have been like in firing people during pandemics. Mm. He should have added that part because that too I don't would be think so. that too would be true. No, because apparently Vince McMahon kills more people in the pandemic than not. What? Yeah, that was the or Vince McMahon releases more people than the pan or takes I don't know. There was a stupid AEW sign the other week. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Austin Theory has another match against Finn Balor, where I'm sure he'll pick up the victory. Yeah. After that, we saw backstage Miz talking to Omos, and AJ Styles cut it off, and Miz ends up leaving. But AJ really building up Omos as a tag team with him. And Omos didn't seem like he was fully on board there. And then it goes into Miz TV where AJ Styles and Amos were the guests. And it leads into their match. Miz during Miz TV putting almost over big time. AJ gets suspicious. The Mysterios end up picking up the victory over them because almost ignored AJ Styles' tag. Yeah, Ray Mysterio rolled AJ his... Styles up. What else is there? That's the end. AJ Styles yelled it almost afterwards and said that he should have never taken him under his wing. This led to them fighting and almost came out on top. Yeah, I it's a bummer that this was like ruined like this. You know, I'm so because this was a really fun tag team. There was no no point to break them up. Well, I said last week that we would probably see that as a WrestleMania match. However, I think it's taking place next week on Monday Night Raw. 
I, there has to be as, no finish I, to it. I like at how least is this a, not a at day, day one, one pay per view match? Exactly. How is this not at day one ish? I'm almost certain it was. It's booked. Why for am I saying day one ish? Day one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Usos. So yeah. it, it it is kind of uh, strange that it seems like. I, I'm almost certain that's what what is booked. Yeah. Well, next up you had Randy Orton pick up the victory over Chad Gable. Um, Man, I was I was happy when they announced this match, but yeah. <laughs> I wish it was longer. It was nice what, what, what we actually got from it, but yeah, but I, just I mean, wish I would have been I would have been more happy if Gable picked up the victory. Yeah, of course. Chad Gable went for an arm drag, and Orton hit him with an RKO instead. Otis yeah. goes to attack Randy Orton, but Orton escapes it. I think Otis also escaped an RKO there, but. I don't know where they're. I don't know. Maybe American Alpha will be the next tag team champions. I hope so. I think that they really should be uh, tag team champions. They are really one of the few uh, actual tag teams on the roster. I feel like they should. They deserve the tag team titles already. Not that I want RK Bro to disappear, but. Um. No, I don't think so. I mean, I I think that this is that's going to be our. Um, a WrestleMania match, Riddle versus Orton. Seems I think likely. that's. I think that that's what that's going to lead to is Riddle versus Orton at WrestleMania. Yeah, but after that, we saw Reggie and Dana Brooke walking at some Christmas gimmick. Tazawa was dressed as an elf, and then Tamina ended up yelling at him, and then our Truth was there as Santa Claus, and they fought in the lights. And Tamina wasn't able to get Dana Brooke, but I thought them fighting in those lights was, it looked really cool. I thought it was pretty cool too. I'm, I mean, I'm always a fan of everything that's happening with, uh, with Reggie and Dana Brooke. Um, Hey, I think that this is great. Everything that they're doing with this is awesome. But next up you had Dolph Ziggler pick up the victory over Damian Priest. Um, I don't know. I thought they were having a banger of a match here. I was really enjoying this match. And then Damian Priest took out Robert Roode and got counted out. And that's how he ended up losing. I feel like I just can't get into the match itself to begin with because of my disappointment in the drop of everything. Like, I mean, Ziggler has a U.S. championship match next week on Monday Night Raw, I think. He'll lose. <laughs> I mean, let's cut. Ten to the years chase. ago, around this time, he was he was U.S. champion. Zack Ryder defeated him for it. Go figure. Look at how much he has done in those ten years. What do you mean? He's a former world champion. WrestleMania main eventer. Well, not everybody gets the main event, but yeah. Next up, you had the cutting edge as Edge sat down with Maurice. Um, yeah, talking about she was on the show because Miz. Because Miz won't let her talk. Not right. I think I think that Miz TV segment earlier wasn't needed. Yeah, but Maurice questioned if what Miz did to her, Edge would do to Beth, and Edge was just not buying any of it. He called Miz out, who ends up coming from behind, and Edge was ready for him. But thanks to Maurice, Miz ends up coming out on top. 
So I think we're definitely going to be seeing, perhaps at the Royal Rumble or something like that, Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. There's like no way that's not going to be a match. I agree with you. I I really I agree with you. I think that this is how this should play out. I'm going to be really disappointed if it doesn't play out that right. There's that no way. way. Yeah. Next up, you had Rhea Ripley pick up the victory over Queen Zelina. Uh, re- I guess uh, making up for her 48-second loss. Well, Nikki A.S.H. and Carmella were both banned from ringside during this. but And yeah, this match went longer than last week, but it's still, to me, not needed. She hit that huge riptide to pick up the victory, but it's just a feud that's going nowhere. I feel like there's a lot of feuds and storylines on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown where the storylines just have either been going on for longer than they should have or they're just not playing out uh, properly. SmackDown, I disagree with. Monday Night Raw, not lengthwise, but storyline-wise. Yeah, that's well, that's what I mean, the storyline progression-wise. It's... It's just drawing. Um, I don't know. It's just drawing. I feel like I don't know why, though, too. Which, well, okay. I shouldn't say SmackDown because New Day and Usos have been doing the same match for a few weeks now, which made no sense. But after that segment uh, or that um, that match, we saw Liv Morgan come out and speak about her challenge to Becky Lynch and how Becky tried to injure her before day one. So she wanted to even the odds and she overheard Becky Lynch would be training and it seemed like Becky Lynch knew that Liv overheard her or she set it up so Liv would come to her where they showed footage that blew up all over the weekend because there was no backstory. It was shot like a movie almost. It was kind of bizarre and fans lost their minds over it not making sense. But... Liv Morgan tried to make it make sense here by giving us backstory to it. So I appreciate that. It was, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say an awkward promo. Um, but I, I don't think it was too much of an awkward promo. Um, I just I, think fans aren't buying into it for some reason. Yeah. I, I, and the thing is, a lot of fans are going to complain if she loses when they're not really buying into this right now. Right. But Becky Lynch came out and wouldn't get into the ring because Liv Morgan had a kendo stick. And she's like, I don't have this for me. I have this for you. And she tosses Becky Lynch, the kendo stick. And instead of getting into the ring, Becky Lynch left. So Liv Morgan is playing mind games with Becky Lynch there. Do I see her winning at day one? Again, no. not really. I didn't see her winning when she had the title match at Monday Night Raw. But yeah. maybe this could be drawn out to WrestleMania. Uh, oh. That's going to be tough to drag this out to WrestleMania, considering that we just what we just spoke about. Uh, I don't know. I... <sighs> it's a Royal Rumble victory that stands in between, perhaps. It's. I don't want to see this extend to WrestleMania because that's a long time. That's four months to elongate. But again, she could she could go easily tease SmackDown. She could easily tease NXT if they want to do that. I don't think they're going to, but mm-hmm. if of course she wins the Royal Rumble, 
Meh. Main event saw Big E and Bobby Lashley pick up the victory over Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, which I really enjoyed Seth and Kevin Owens as a team here. Mm-hmm. The match, I don't think I needed it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't need it, but I am a very big fan of the pairing of Rollins and Kevin Owens together. Right. Um, and the, the ending of this match was a bit awkward, too, where it's like, as soon as the referee counted three, Seth Rollins hit a, a curb stomp. And I don't know if it was supposed to break up the pin or if it was supposed to be like that. Mm-hmm. I think the, the audience and Twitter seemed to like super confused. They were like, did he miss his cue? Oh, my God, Rollins missed his cue. So I don't know if that was the case or, or not. But they beat Bobby Lashley down afterwards. They did a two-man shield powerbomb onto the apron a stomp on the steps and it looked like Kevin Owens was going to attack Seth Rollins, but they went in for a hug. Yeah. They hugged it out. Uh, very heartwarming. You know, I, I enjoyed the end of Monday night raw. I didn't necessarily enjoy fully that match, but yeah, I mean, even with the entire aspect of Kevin Owens re-signing his I guess, is it allegedly or official? No, it's, it's confirmed, yeah. Confirmed that Kevin Owens re-signed with the WWE. Um, so, obviously, he's not going to another company, AEW. Uh, he's sticking around with WWE, which is awesome. Which oh, my is- God. By the way, I, I don't even think we discussed this because when that news broke, the amount of people calling Kevin Owens names on Twitter. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, we don't need this person in AEW either. Anyway. And like putting adjectives and nouns, proper nouns or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um I I totally agree with you with with all of that. And I don't know. It's it's um uh, I don't know. I'm excited that he's staying with WWE. But I was also excited to see what he could have done in AEW. But also, if somebody's offering you a million-dollar, a multi-million-dollar contract to stay, you're going to stay. I don't think they offered it to Adam Cole, and he didn't stay, so that's not necessarily true. According to the news sites, at least. But... Moving over to NXT, it kicked off with Tommaso Ciampa calling out Braun Breaker. And Ciampa spoke about New Year's Evil and how Braun probably wants a title shot, and he'll get it. But he's not ready to be champion in his NXT. He doesn't line up to guys like Sami Zayn, uh, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor, and himself. He did not name Johnny Gargano, so... That was a bit disappointing, but I understand it at this current time. But Champa ends up slapping Braun Breaker. Breaker ends up picking him up for like a press slam and then puts him down. I thought it was a pretty good open. I agree with you. I thought that it was a good opener. Um, what's The one thing I didn't like, though, was, I don't know. I feel like Gargano was, at one time, a really tough wrestler and everything like that. And the way that Braun Breaker just manhandled him. You mean Champa? 
Huh? Champa? Yeah. What would I say? You said Gargana. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Champa. Yeah, the way that Breaker like manhandled him at the end of that, I was just like, it was a new side of Gargano that I haven't uh, seen. Champa. In... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Champa <laughs> that I haven't seen in, in NXT before. But next up, you had backstage Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. They already began battling backstage, and I don't know how. I thought that it was cool to see them start battling. What did you think about the referees like being like the match hasn't started, go in the ring and stuff like that? Well, like match can't lax. you can't win a match without the the match starting. Yeah, but it was so laxative the way that they were going about it. I don't know. But it was a street fight that Raquel Gonzalez picked up the victory in. And I thought it was a, a really good match. I just wish this was longer. I like the, the double stomp off the apron that Dakota Kai hit when Raquel Gonzalez had the garbage can around her. Raquel hitting that Chingona bomb onto the garbage can I thought was nice. She picked up the victory off of that. And then she calls out Mandy Rose. But instead, Cora Jade came out and... Basically, they both want the title. Mandy Rose appeared live via FaceTime, perhaps, in a pool. Yeah. Looking very Christmassy, the green lights and everything. And introduced the fact that at New Year's Evil, there will be a triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship. And then Toxic Attraction showed up from behind with kendo sticks and beat Raquel Gonzalez and Cora Jade down. I thought that this was... Cool. Like I like the aspect with Mandy, uh, doing the in, the promo and everything, and talking about how like she's in the art of giving and stuff like that, and she's going to actually make official that it is going to be a triple threat match, so they don't have to be afraid of them this not going through or anything like that. And then she goes ahead and has Toxic Attraction attack them from behind. Yeah, Raquel went through a table. Do you think Mandy Rose was actually live there? No. Part of me actually believes that she was, though. I think it was pre-taped. I think, I mean, what was weird to me was it looked like she was talking at times. But, like, the video, her mouth, I think, was moving. But there was no audio on it. I don't think she was talking. But afterwards, when she was still on the screen not saying anything, she was, like, not moving her. I don't want to. She was moving her mouth, but not, like, as if to speak. It was, like, video game-esque. Like, where you're. If she wasn't live, then she's obviously... You can't just have the video cut off and, like, pause. Yeah, I so don't you know. You need it to actually look like she's watching Toxic Attraction beat Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez up. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think that it was pre-taped, that aspect. I don't know. I it think... was nighttime, so... Of course. <laughs> but <laughs> I she, mean, could, I don't know. she could record it the, the night before or earlier. Yeah, obviously. No, not earlier. You can't do it earlier. Well, no, earlier, gets darker like the day before. Oh yeah, well that's also the night before. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, she could have done all of that, and you know, at the end, you just you just have her remain on camera for a prolonged period of time. To this way, it can cover whatever aspect is taking place. Right. And um, but I I thought that this was cool. Did you catch uh, um, Gigi doing the like Dean Ambrose? No. It looked like she started when after they put uh, Raquel Gonzalez through the table, she was standing there doing like that that zombie. Um, oh, I didn't realize. No. Yeah, she was like doing the zombie arm movement, like a la in the pressure of like Matt Cardona, 
You know, so it was a cool Matt Mac Cardona. Card- yeah, it was a cool Matt Cardona. John Moxley. Yeah, cool John. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we saw a video from Harland and Joe Gacy where they wanted to make a public apology for what Harland did last week is what I thought. But Joe Gacy said that it could be argued that what happened to Brian Kendrick last week was brought upon himself, sort of like a wrong place, wrong time situation. Which was like, yeah, some apology. And then later on, Brian Kendrick said that he has resigned as a coach and signed a waiver. So if Harland wants an apology from him, which I don't understand, he can get it from him in the ring next week on NXT. So that kind of had me confused because I thought Harland was the one that needed to apologize to him. Yeah. But hey, I'm always here for some TBK. It's been a while since we've seen the Brian Kendrick. That's very true. Very true. Yeah. After that, Creed Brothers versus Grizzled Young Veterans ended in a no contest where I thought the Creeds were very impressive in this. I need to like, see more of the Creed Brothers. They they have been impressive as of late, but in the past few weeks since we've gotten to see them, this has been like the most cuz like They've kind of like not been showcased for a bit now, Mm -hmm. but Jacket Time came out with a tiny commentary table for them to commentate. They, the crowd, the crowd, the crowd was wild for this. Yeah. But Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen made their way out during this match and the Creed brothers end up getting pushed into Jacket Time by grizzled young veterans and everybody brawled. So, if I'm not mistaken, is there going to be a four-way match here? I think so. And, uh, you know, after this, and we spoke last week, I I don't know. It, I could also, I can actually see Jacket Time coming out as winning a little hmm. bit. No? What do you mean a little bit? A lot of bit? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> next After up, that, though, you had Dexter Trick- Loomis picked up the victory over Trick Williams. Yeah, but before that, you had Trick Williams backstage uh, cutting a promo, and then right behind him on that screen, Dexter Loomis appears. Yeah. And I thought it was a great little uh, way to intro the matchup, and I'm glad that Dexter is back and picks up the victory. Yeah, and Roderick Strong came out during this match and brawled to the back with Carmelo Hayes. And Malcolm Bivens lays out a challenge for a title versus title match at New Year's Evil, which we'll be seeing a unification contract signing on next week's episode of NXT. That's going to be cool. You know, I think that the unification of the championships is... (laughs) There goes the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah. Which means 205 Live is definitely probably going to be changing to something else. Hmm. I can't see it still being 205 Live if it's going to be a thing. Yeah. Especially with the Cruiserweight Championship gone. So that's kind of unfortunate that, uh, I mean, unless, I don't know, maybe they, well, they say unification. So I don't know. I don't, don't, I'd rather not see the Cruiserweight Championship disappear. I feel like it, it is. After this, I mean, it seems like it, but, but as far as this match goes with Loomis and trick Williams, I thought it was decent. I really, 
I enjoy the aspect of Trick Williams being scared of Dexter Loomis because it adds some comedy without being overkill or goofy. Mm-hmm. We saw Trick Williams go to use a shoe in this, but Dexter Loomis locks him in silence and picks up that victory. Yeah. Um, I, you know, after this match, you had MSK. No. Grayson Waller shows up. Oh, yeah. And he hits Dexter Loomis with a chair. AJ Styles pulls up. Waller takes a seat. This leads up to... Uh, or, or before this even took place. On the internet, Grayson Waller posted on Instagram about AJ Styles. Made fun of him, basically. Earlier in the night, he ran into Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada. They end up yelling at him because Indy Hartwell was still pissed off at what he did to Johnny Gargano. So that's how Waller ties into the Dexter Loomis aspect of it. But AJ Styles makes his big return to NXT after two years. And Waller ran him down. And pre-turned down an offer to be AJ Styles' new tag team partner. And then AJ Styles ends up calling him a knockoff AJ Styles with his gear and his, his yeah, elbow like the, pad and the everything. Elbow pad and everything. It's pretty much a AJ Styles ripoff. Yeah, and AJ Styles puts over the new guys and said that what's or basically picks apart what's wrong with Grayson Waller. Waller, yeah, he's like Braun Breaker. He could see as a as a star and lists off a bunch of other wrestlers, but says that with Waller, he just he doesn't have it. Yeah, and AJ Styles challenged him to step up, and Waller walks off, and he's like, I'll let almost get AJ Styles first. So, do you think we'll be seeing Grayson Waller versus AJ Styles at one point? This could be something that leads into a Royal Rumble aspect. Um, Big return for Johnny Gargano, perhaps? No, Gargano is gone. You never know. Never say never. No, no. He is gone. He is gone. But it is really cool to see AJ Styles on NXT. Um, I do. I hope that we do see more wrestlers like that, but actually in action down there. For the record, it definitely could lead to a Raw Rumble with Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Where, um, like, it happens, AJ Styles in the ring somehow, and Grayson Waller's in the ring, or he comes out as a surprise entrant. And they're wrestling, and then Johnny Gargano runs down. Maybe he's in the Royal Rumble, maybe he's not. He causes Grayson Waller, Grayson Waller to be eliminated. Fizzles out up until the, the next, like, maybe month before WrestleMania. Boom, WrestleMania match. Yeah, or AJ Styles and Omos have a match at R- Royal Rumble. Uh, you know, like, it leads up to a Royal Rumble match. Um, or even day one-ish. Uh, whenever they face, and then the next night on Monday Night Raw, Waller appears after AJ Styles like is all beaten up from almost. Maybe he has a an arm sling or something like that that he's nursing a neck brace, and then Waller appears and attacks him from behind. Yeah, anything's possible, you know. But next up, you had MSK. Uh, you know, talking about a lot of these uh, wrestlers from the main roster coming down to NXT. Uh, you had MSK have a a really fun promo, well, vignette with Riddle. I don't know what this was, though. Like, yeah, the Shaman ends up telling them that they need to call out Imperium on NXT next week and that he'll be there with them. But then 
they all get hit by a car and it turned out to just be a dream, but they still had the RK bro hats and the shirt and, and, and Riddle hops off a bus and he's there. And so it might not have been yeah. and then <laughs> a they, dream. And, and then he, ha- he gives them like the, uh, the scooters. And yeah. During the entire sketch, they're just scootering around town and everything like that. Um, and Imperium responded later on and said that MSK might have a shaman, but they have a general. Walter, did you get excited for that at all? Not really. Oh, come I mean, on. why? Why? Well, what would be I don't know. This about seems it? like it could lead to seeing Imperium versus MSK and Matt Riddle three on three. I'm always a fan of Walter. I haven't seen him in a bit. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, next match saw Idris and Ophi picking up the victory over Von Wagner. Very, very, very surprising. Yeah, especially Von Wagner taking out uh, the new AEW uh, wrestler, Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> yes, which I'll speak about. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but Von Wagner, I don't, I don't know. I have to see more. Uh, I have to see a lot more of a lot of these wrestlers. Van right. Wagner hasn't really won me over yet. Well, Enofi got a quick victory, like super quick victory here. Yeah, like a shocking victory. Yeah, and then Wagner attacked him afterwards. Robert Stone was ringside, so I almost feel like we're going to see Robert Stone end up managing Von Wagner. Controlling the beast. Something like that. But earlier in the night, we saw a backstage segment where Zoe Stark was trying to be seen by the doctor, as was Legato del Fantasma. And then Io Shirai showed up. Okay, it it looked like they were in physical therapy. Okay, physical therapy, doctors. Both the the same thing. Both the same facility. Both the same thing. Yeah, they were getting PT or something. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> and Io Shirai ends up yelling at them, and Electra Lopez came by and said that she's not afraid of Io Shirai. That then leads to their match, where Io Shirai picks up the victory over Electra Lopez. Backstage before the match, they showed Zion Quinn lurking in the background when Lopez was getting ready to walk out, and then he made his way ringside for this. Legato tries to take him out. He ends up taking them out. He had mistletoe. And Santos Escobar pulls him off the apron, but he also ends up being pushed into the steps. And Io Shirai takes advantage of that with the distraction, hits her moonsault to pick up the victory there. I I don't even know how to unpack any of that. (laughs) Uh, A lot took place. A lot took place. I'm happy to see that that Lopez and him are still... I still think that they're going to end up together. I think they would be a good pairing together too. Makes sense. Uh, Io Shirai and Zoe, I'm, I like that backstage. She's like, Oh, you, you, uh, stuck up for me. Yeah. She goes, no, I, I didn't. She goes, you, uh, kind (laughs) of like me, don't you? She goes, I hate you or something. Whatever the interaction was, I thought was funny. Yeah. Io is really like, I really do like Io. Um, I don't know. I, I guess their pairing is starting to win me over. I think I'm more, I think what gets me is that EO I want to see like the the lead of the leader of the pack. Which not to say she's not in NXT, but I want to see her on Raw and SmackDown and all of this and that and you know, I, I guess I'm just being impatient is what 
catch at this me. point like we don't know if what the deal is with uh dakota kai or raquel, raquel gonzalez but i don't know but that i don't that i don't really want to so see i don't want to see like nxt stars come up to the main rosters and not be used i know like yeah. i'm not i'm not here to pretend that oscar had such a terrible or say that oscar had a terrible like main roster stint because no, it was only up didn't. until she it was only up until she faced Charlotte Flair where Charlotte decided to ruin everything for us. Not I just want to know like us. where Asuka's been. And uh, no, because even after Asuka lost, she still had fun and was stuff. Was she injured? I, think, I have no idea. I feel like there like a few months ago there may have been an injury with Asuka. No, because Asuka didn't or no, Asuka did say she was injured. She had like dental surgery or something like that. Right? I feel like there was an injury with Asuka. And that, that was like the news sites were like, oh, uh, WWE just has nothing for her. And then she revealed, this is uh, apparently from March. Yeah, it was a while ago, I believe. August? I mean, Maybe at this August rate, it's from? At this rate, there's no uh, reason to rush her coming back. Especially with the focus on Liv Morgan right now. Well, I miss her for one. I know. I miss her too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel it. Ya. Like it sucks. Like the the news came out that Kyrie Sane is no longer under under WWE contract apparently, and it's like, oh, what could have been? <sighs> I guess she just she wants to live in Japan. So until she like ends up in another promotion, I don't know if that'll happen. But again, like I, I don't know, maybe. I don't know. I see if she wants to live in Japan. I don't know why there's still like there's no reason why WWE couldn't have like used her as a as a special attraction, but it would have been if they did, they would have had to have done something contract-wise to reduce the contract if if she's only going to appear very rarely, right? You know, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been worth it for both and parties. It, and I I've never flown to Japan, so I don't know how the flight like I mean, that's probably a long flight, so... Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's a long flight. And it's probably expensive, so... Yeah, we should definitely go. Hit up the Tokyo Dome. <sighs> yeah, January 4th is uh, coming up. <laughs> hey, let's go. Uh, okay. <laughs> but the main event of NXT saw Pete Dunne pick up the victory over Tony D'Angelo. Did you think Tony was going to win this? I did, especially with the promo beforehand, given they did... Both of them had their promos, but I thought Tony was going to come out as the winner, especially with stealing his mouthpiece during the match and uh, doing, I mean, he hit the crowbar, swinging neckbreaker undone uh, in that match. So I really thought that Tony had a lot going into this match and he was going to pick up the victory, but nope. People people were like, obviously Tony D'Angelo wasn't going to win. I was, why? Like, I, I was like, I don't know if it was obvious. I thought for sure Tony D'Angelo was going yeah, to win that. Why wouldn't he have the opportunity to win? I mean, yeah, I don't they, know. Did they not watch the War Games match? And the, I mean, I Tony, did, I mean, D'Angelo had a good showing in that match, especially when him and uh, Pete Dunne fought each other. And in this match, I think Tony definitely proved that he could hang with the best of the best. Yeah. He tried to use the crowbar in this match again, but Pete Dunne sidestepped it, which went flying out of the ring. I don't know if that was like, it looked like it could have gone to the crowd almost, but um, Pete Dunne was able to wrestle him to the mat and pick up the victory there. 
Tony got up afterwards and Pete Dunne sensed it and he ended up doing, they ended up brawling to the outside and Pete Dunne got hit with that fisherman neckbreaker on the outside and then choked him with the crowbar and smashed Pete Dunne's hand with it. Solid way for Tony to end up on top. Yeah, it was a good match and it, and, and Tony D'Angelo came out on top in that yeah. segment. Yeah, yeah. So that's NXT. NXT UK this week was Nina Samuels hosting a best of episode of the Nina Samuels show, basically just showing clips of matches, best matches in NXT UK from 2021. And it featured holiday messages from NXT UK superstars. So moving over to SmackDown, a taped SmackDown on Christmas Eve, Paul Heyman, was interviewed about being fired by Roman Reigns last week. Caleb Braxton was the one to interview him, so I thought maybe it would be, like, somewhat comedic, but Paul Heyman was super distraught here, and he just said that he told Roman Reigns the truth. Roman Reigns didn't want to hear the truth. And then he puts over Roman as the greatest universal champion of all time, but he needs to be protected by Brock Lesnar. Out of all of this, I just want Cesaro to be that thing that blows up Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. To come, like, out of the left field. Cesaro was a Paul Heyman guy before. So, to not choose sides, now that he's not with Roman Reigns, I would love to see him not choose Brock and go with somebody else. And have Cesaro maybe get pushed to the main event of WrestleMania. After that, the first match of the night, the night saw Charlotte Flair pick up the victory over Tony Storm to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. I ultimately, I just feel bad for Tony Storm here because I think she deserves better than a, a random championship match on a tape SmackDown. The match was a decent length, but it, for me, it just wasn't good. We saw Charlotte try to use the rope like uh, she did in the match with Survivor Series with Becky Lynch. She got caught just like at that pay-per-view. And after a bunch of pin reversals, Charlotte won. Didn't do anything for me. After that was the 12 Days of Christmas Gauntlet, where Sami Zayn ended up picking up the overall victory. But Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs were ringside to watch this match. And it started with Angel Garza, who picked up the victory over Mansoor and Eric. Not too much to say about that. But then Shanky comes out and picks up the victory over Angel Garza. Angel Garza was able to defeat Eric and then lost pretty quickly to Shanky. And for me, it definitely makes sense that he would lose to Shanky. But also, Eric, I... For me, that doesn't add up. But Ivar came out and picked up the victory over Shanky. And then Ivar was able to take Shanky out pretty easily. So, I I don't... I don't know. For me, that part of the gauntlet match was not the greatest. Sheamus then comes out, picks up the victory over Ivar. Picks up the victory over Drew Gulak. And then Cesaro, thanks to a distraction from Ridge Holland. But... Gulak was taken out in like five seconds. Cesaro and Sheamus, I think, was one of the better parts of this match, even though it wasn't that long. And then Ricochet comes out, picks up the victory over Sheamus. 
diving onto Sheamus at one point, almost landed on, in like a doomsday device, which was, it looked like it could have definitely hurt. But Ridge Holland started to distract Ricochet, so Cesaro came back out and took him out, which led to Sheamus being distracted, and then he lost. And then Ricochet also picked up the victory over Humberto Carrillo. Sheamus, before that match started, attacked Ricochet. After that match, Jinder Mahal attacks Ricochet before their match. But Jinder Mahal lost maybe in like 30 seconds to Ricochet. And then the final match in that, Sami Zayn picks up the victory over Ricochet. This last match I thought was decent and probably the best out of all of these matches in this gauntlet. But it was such a random gauntlet match that it was clearly just to kill a bunch of time for a tape SmackDown for Christmas Eve. And I found most of it to be boring. I did think that Sami Zayn was going to end up stealing the victory here, but that wasn't the case, and I was pleasantly surprised with that. Main event saw New Day and Drew McIntyre pick up the victory over the Usos and Madcap Moss in a Miracle on 34th Street fight. I said last week, why should we care about the Usos and New Day at day one when we saw it two weeks ago with the addition of RK-Bro? Then we saw it last week as a normal tag. And now this week with the addition of Drew McIntyre and Madcap Moss. And I guess a street fight stipulation. The match at day one is just going to be a normal match. But this street fight kind of annoyed me because it started out like that AEW street fight where they're tagging in and out. Obviously, it breaks down into the actual street fight. I hate when it, it makes no sense that it starts out tags with tags in and out. But I think the best part of this match was Xavier Woods hitting a Van Daminator. I also really enjoyed Kofi Kingston when he took the two trays of cookies and jumped off the top rope to the outside and dumped the cookies onto the Usos. I appreciate that spot. And then Corbin and Madcap Moss ended up with eggnog on them. And Madcap ate a Claymore to lose the match for the team. SmackDown then ends with the faces tossing out t-shirts and toys to the fans for Christmas Eve. Overall, this was a very boring SmackDown. And I hate saying that. I like SmackDown, but this was on par with Monday Night Raw. But that is SmackDown. Going to take a quick little break right now. Hear a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. Get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium, 
I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Cause we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way I can charge my lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one for this uh, read, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for this read. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 568. Going to move over and talk about some AEW Rampage from last week that took place. We saw Chaos pick up the victory over the Elite and Bobby Fish. This match, for me, contained one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in professional wrestling. Like, completely illogical. Even for an Orange Cassidy gimmick. Where he did an arm drag while his hands were in his pockets. But it was him running. And Nick Jackson just grabbing onto his arm with both hands to flip over. As if they were magnetized like those WCW figures. It made no sense to me. But this match had a bunch of spots where the ref wasn't controlling it. Came down to Trent hitting Bobby Fish with Crunchy to pick up the victory. After that, we saw Dan Lambert cut a promo where he won't allow Cody and Tony Khan to screw the men of the year out of what they deserve. Lambert uh, was on Rampage this week and said that Tony Khan is turning the company into a late 90s WCW. I personally liked late 90s WCW. But Cody came out after this and uh, he's been on TV for for both weeks after going through that burning table. Andrade hasn't been seen since. Cody randomly gets that that title match against Sammy Guevara, and he took out the Men of the Year, or tried to. They took him out. Dustin Rhodes ran out to try to make the save. They took him out as well, and then Sammy made the ultimate save. I don't know. When Dan Lambert says that they don't get what they deserve, Sammy Guevara, one of those uh, title defenses, I believe, was against Ethan Page. So, I don't know how that promo necessarily makes sense. In that regards. With Cody getting a lot of stuff, yes, obviously that's eating into the, uh, you're feeding into the internet marks, who uh, would definitely agree with that. And I mean... 
Maybe you don't have to be an internet mark to agree with that. I definitely agree with it, but some could call me an internet mark. I host a show called Marking Out. After that, Ty Condi pick up the victory over Penelope Ford in a submission match, which is weird. It was a feud based on brass knuckles. A random uh, submission match here for some reason, but it was, uh, you know, rather short. I wouldn't say either of them are known for submission moves. They do use them, but I don't think they would be called specialists. But they busted some out in this match. I like the one that Penelope Ford did to Ty Conti when she was on her, she was bent over on her knee backwards. I thought that was cool. And then uh, Ty Conti has that finishing move that she's used before, the like the the half lotus lock Tasmission choke thing. I don't know what to call it, how to describe it other than that. And that's how she picked up the victory. I'm a big fan of that move. And uh, I'm I'm fine with this match. Afterwards, we saw the bunny knock out Ty Conti with brass knucks, and Anna Jay kind of chased her off. We saw 2.0, Daniel Garcia and the Acclaimed pick up the victory over Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz, and the Lucha Bros. Everyone brawled before this match. This match, for me, was even messier than the opening contest, and it probably didn't help that it was under 10 minutes long. Garcia won this match with a quick roll-up after grabbing Eddie Kingston's pants. And the fans were confused to the point where it didn't look like that was supposed to be the finish of the match. But it was, and the heels beat Eddie Kingston up afterwards, and Jurassic Express ran down and attacked them from behind. They cleared house. Jungle Boy, kind of reluctant to hand the tag team titles over to Lucha Bros., All the while, uh, it looked like Santana was looking on. Maybe he also wants a title shot for him and Ortiz. As far as this episode of Rampage, why they did an 8-man tag and a 10-man tag in the same hour-long program is absolutely beyond me. To me, that's completely unnecessary. But AEW Holiday Bash took place this past week. We saw Adam Cole pick up the victory over Orange Cassidy, which for me, again, uh... Not the most entertaining of matches. It picked up towards the end, but the first whatever many minutes of it was just like, please, get on with this. Afterwards, we saw, or even during the match, the Elite showed up, and the best friends ran them off. They took them out. And then Orange Cassidy helped. This had zero effect on the match. Bobby Fish ran down later on, though, and Kyle O'Reilly showed up from behind, Took Orange Cassidy out. And the best friends tried to make the save afterwards, but Undisputed Era stood tall. Kyle O'Reilly has officially debuted for AEW. I'm pumped to see Undisputed Era back together and wrestling. They're going to be actually wrestling next week. They're taking on the best friends. But the Young Bucks came out afterwards and Undisputed Era walked off, leaving them in the ring. Maybe teasing a uh, a split there. I don't know if this is going to be like a long-term thing where Adam Cole ends up picking, let's say, the Young Bucks over Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Um, they did sort of tease when, when O'Reilly got into the ring after the match when they did everything. There's obviously history between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Recent history where they've hated each other, so it was nice to see that tease there. Um. I just, 
I would have liked to have seen another Undisputed Era match live. That's why I was kind of hoping for if Kyle O'Reilly was going to end up in AEW, which I think is a no-brainer if he's not going to be in WWE, then I think I would have liked to have seen it at the UBS Arena, given the fact that I saw them form in Brooklyn at TakeOver. After that, though, we saw Tony Schiavone with Adam Page, where he was interviewed about his match against Brian Danielson last week, and he said that he's disappointed in himself, I guess. And then Brian Danielson cut him off and said that the fans should be the people who were disappointed and that he should be champion. And then he blamed John Silver hurting his leg and not being able to to win because of that when they had their match at the UBS Arena. But they're set for a rematch on January 5th where Brian Danielson introduces that he wants judges for their match. We've seen judges in the past for AEW and it's literally done nothing. So unless you have really cool judges, I couldn't care less about that. But it's going to be taking place in New Jersey at The Rock. So maybe we'll see some Jersey uh, celebrities. Maybe Snooki will make her... AEW debut (laughs) I don't think so but uh, maybe we'll see some New Jersey and wrestlers or something like that as the judge maybe we'll see uh, Wayne from the Wonder Years probably not Jason Hervey but uh, Wardlow then picked up a victory over Sean Dean just a bunch of power bombs like last week and then Sean Spears using the chair afterwards like last week So I think this just continues to plant seeds for him to break away from MJF. And uh, I don't know how many weeks that'll take, but we'll see that. I'm sure it'll eventually get there. After that, Dan Lambert cut the same basic promo that he did on Rampage. Basically, Cody gets the title shot. He's an EVP or whatever. He helps friends. They help friends. Tony Khan helps friends. Tony Khan does not help the men of the year, but they want a title shot after Cody gets it or if Cody wins. Yeah. Britt Baker had a holiday party. She has a title match against Riho at Battle of the Belts on the 8th of January. She made a reference to A Christmas Story, which I think that movie sucks. Other than that, in that segment, it just hypes up that title match. After that, we saw the Owen Hart tournament video package where they had some footage of him in New Japan. They had home vo- home video footage, and it was really well put together. It was nice to see Mark Henry spoke, Adam Cole, Matt Hardy, 2.0, Eddie Kingston, Dustin Rhodes, and Sean Spears. They all spoke and gave testimonials about Owen Hart and what Owen Hart means to them. Um... Whether or not any of them are even in this tournament, we have no idea. But if you're going to have a women version of the Owen Hart tournament, why are there no women in this video package? I thought that was like the one thing that was confusing to me. But other than that, it's really awesome to see Owen Hart footage again. I mean, obviously, I could watch Owen Hart matches, like countless Owen Hart matches on Peacock with WWE. But for him to be mentioned on television and shown on television and mentioned all over Twitter. I think it's nice to see. Um, After that, Ruby Soho picked up the victory over Nyla Rose to advance in the TBS title tournament. 
Not a big fan of this match. Ruby Soho at one point had Nyla Rose locked in a dragon sleeper. And it legitimately looked like she was tapping out. And I thought the referee was going to call the match. And then the the commentators all thought that Nyla Rose was tapping out. But she was just waving Vicky Guerrero up onto the apron. And Vicky Guerrero gets up onto the apron to argue with the referee. And we saw Ruby Soho kick Vicky Guerrero, knock her off the, the ring apron, getting a little physical there. Other than that, not much came of it because Ruby Soho was still able to win the match. So she moves on to the finals. I'm thinking, I don't know if it's going to be Thunder Rosa or Jade Cargill to go into that that finals, but it seems like Ruby Soho could be the one walking out as TBS champion on the 5th of January. After that, Malachi Black defeated Griff Garrison. Uh, This was kind of confusing. Malachi Black was about to win this match, and then for some reason he left the ring to get into uh, Brian Pillman's face. And then Garrison jumped onto him. Malachi Black looked like he was going to hit the Black Mass again, but instead he locks him in a single-leg crab to tap him out. And then Brian Pillman Jr. gets into the ring to check on Griff Garrison, and he eats a black mass. There was no mention of Brody King, no mention of House of Black this week, so maybe we'll see another member have a video package next week or something, and then they'll all show up together. First episode of the new year on TBS. Maybe, perhaps, we'll see. Main event of the evening, though, saw Sting teaming up with Darby Allen and CM Punk to pick up the victory over MJFTR. CM Punk had face paint. Uh, Sting had CM Punk face paint, which I thought was super goofy. CM Punk, I thought, looked super goofy, but Darby Allen had pink Sting face paint. CM Punk had surfer Sting um tights which i thought was cool match itself i thought was decent cm punk chased mjf all the way up the steps in the uh crowd chased him around the arena chased him way back down the steps and uh that led to a commercial break sting i thought though looked great in this match it really boggles my mind that if he was if he's able to do this stuff with aew how did we see him go from a broken neck to retiring to literally not doing anything else with WWE. That it literally just makes no sense to me how we never saw him versus Undertaker. If he can go the way he's been going, it's bizarre to me. But MJF gets thrown out of the ring by Sting, lands on his head, so luckily he seems okay. Scott Dawson ate a GTS Ate a scorpion death drop and then ate a coffin drop. A coffin drop. There's that Long Island accent again, folks. But uh, yeah, he picked up the... CM Punk picked up the victory off of that. And then, uh, yeah, the faces win. MJF gets on commentary, yells about how CM Punk's a coward and wouldn't face him. So that'll probably perhaps take place January 5th in New Jersey at the Prudential Center. But all in all, from this episode of Holiday Bash, 
I uh, was most happy with the fact that Undisputed Era is there. I already said it. That's literally what I'm looking forward to most in 2022 in AEW. How could I not? Big Undisputed Era mark. But uh, that's AEW Holiday Bash. Hey, Brandon. Got any shoutouts? Damn it, Bobby. How many times do I have to tell you to listen to Brandon's shoutouts? The first shout-out goes to McGruber. Did you ever uh, see that sketch? No, but I do know of it. So, McGruber, the TV series now, based off the movie, based off the sketch from Saturday Night Live. It would have been cool if the WWE superstars who were in the movie ended up in the TV show on Peacock, but a lot has changed since 2010. <laughs> like, Chris Jericho, Mark Henry, and Big Show are in AEW. Greg Khali and Kane are retired, and then MVP is the only one that that's in it. And I don't even remember if they ended up dying in the movie or not, but uh, if you like the MacGruber sketches on the movie, you'll definitely be, be a fan of this TV show, and... I watched it all. I'm a big fan of it, and I thought it was funny. I never got into it. After that, yeah, uh, it's on Peacock. Ron's Gone Wrong is getting the next shout-out. It's out on HBO Max and Disney+. Plus. Pretty rare, I'd say. And it literally came out in theaters like two months ago. But it's an animated uh, film where the premise of the movie is that every kid has a robot that helps them make friends. And the main character is the only one who doesn't until he gets one that's broken. And it ends up being his best friend without giving too much away. Huh. Yeah. It's kind of like a, almost like a, uh, an Alexa device, but uh, it moves and it talks and it does stuff for you. And his, mm-hmm. his ends up not having the, the correct settings or something. I don't know. It is a good movie. I'd, I'd say check it out. And then the last shout-out goes to Bruce Springsteen's song, I'll See You in My Dreams. This is the song that I brought up after Luke Harper's death. There's a lyric in it for death is not the end and I'll see you in my dreams. And over this past year, I've definitely I've thought a lot about John Huber this past year. And every time I hear this song, I think about him. And it's just still such a shocking death. And the wrestling world really misses him. Yeah, and this Sunday marks one year since he unfortunately passed away, and I just I really wanted to mention Luke Harper, Brody Lee, John Huber on this episode, and again thank him for all the memories. Yeah, and uh, those are my shout outs for this episode. Now it's time for our. I got to go with uh, one of them, at least being AJ Styles making his return to NXT. I thought was cool. Yeah. Down for main roster talent appearing on NXT. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that is a, it's definitely a mark out moment where AJ Styles appearing on NXT. I thought that was awesome. What did you have? Something also? Uh, yeah. I mean, driving into work every day, uh, I started listening to the shark again, radio station down on Long Island. Uh, rock music, and they promote a lot of WWE stuff. Um, they're actually the people when I went met Kurt Angle. They were like the sponsors of it, I guess. 
but they were or advertising it. Um, so they were they're having contests every day to win tickets to WWE MSG, um, and so I actually entered it and I won. Oh really? No. Oh no. <laughs> but but uh, they are doing theme songs. Uh, like guess this the theme song. And they had like the Rougeau Brothers theme song, and I thought it was cool just hearing a wrestler's theme song on the radio. It was definitely weird. Um, they actually had an interesting trivia today. They said how the Rock and Rumble, uh, what is it, the Rock and Rumble, uh, wrestle, wrestle, Rock and uh, Wrestle connection, yeah, Rock yeah, and yeah. Wrestling, yeah, yeah, yeah. With that entire thing, apparently, the voice of Junkyard Dog is. Also, the um, is Uncle Phil. This is not new. Yeah, but it's something like you don't really think you don't really. It's something to me where you see and you're like, oh, that's cool, and then you forget it, and then it comes back. And how the, like Hulk the... Hogan and Hulk Hogan was voiced by Brad Garrett. Yeah, I was gonna say Raven. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just think that's so like wild. You know, you know uh, speaking of radio stations, did you see the the one of the guys from Z100 has a like a wrestling podcast, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he had he's I guess now he's going to be doing a series where he has AEW wrestlers and WWE superstars ask each other questions. I saw that's like for me, that's like skating a thin line there. But uh, I, apparently he had Eddie Kingston on as a guest and recorded a, uh, a question for Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins was then on and he was able to answer that question. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I want to actually see, I want to listen to this because it sounds really interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, as far as mark out moments, I think it's pretty cool that the Guinness world records actually made it official that Natalia has the world record for most pay-per-view appearances and most matches in WWE for a female. Huh. So I think that's pretty cool that she's a Guinness World Record holder. Oh, I'm going to mark out. Uh, I went to the autograph store uh, last week, and they actually had – this is going to sound really cool, and but it was a Thomas Edison autograph. That stuff kind of creeps me out. Really? I thought that that was so. But I, I think cool. it's. I do think it's really cool. Like, it's like, how do they get? Like, how do people have like old documents and stuff like that? Yeah, I thought that it was just so cool and fantastic. Like, I saw this piece, and I was just like, "What was the price tag?" Okay. Uh, no, no. I I think it was like. I forgot what it sold for. I it was already sold. It wasn't it wasn't up for grabs or anything like that. It was already sold. I forgot the price, but it was just a real fascinating piece. Uh, very cool, very cool. So I marked for that. Um, I think one of the other things that I marked out for this week is them showing off the AEW Unmatched Series Three set, which includes Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Anna Jay, Johnny Silver, and and Brody Lee. I think this this set. There was uh, supposed to be an LJN Darby Allen figure in this as well, but there was something wrong with them, so they're pushing the figure to another set. Um, but this, I think, is the best set visually that AEW has ever put out. And 
I think it looks fantastic. Brody Lee looks so good. John Silver looks so good. I mean, they all do. Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Anna Jay. Yeah, the Anna Johnny Jay has a chase. Uh, Brody Lee has a chase as well. Yeah, the Johnny Silver, like all of them, just look so awesome. And I don't know. It, it's how do you not buy this collection? Yeah, Johnny Silver, a former guest of Marking Out, 100% have to buy his figure. Yeah, Alex Reynolds, too. Well, Alex Reynolds, whenever he gets announced, I will hopefully have his figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping uh, the next batch includes Alex Reynolds. You uh, you just quoted Luke Harper. (laughs) Yes, that is correct. (laughs) But very cool. Yeah, that is the Mark Out moment of the week, and that is... Episode 568. Again, Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrates that. And uh, just thank you so much for, for listening. We have one more episode this of 2021. I'm sure next week you'll hear it, though, probably for the first time in 2022. But you can check us out on Twitter at MarkingOut, at BTTG161, at Chris Sweendog, at David PTDPT. For Dave and I, you can follow us on Instagram, or Dave and me, I should say. You can follow us on Instagram at those same handles. You can follow Marking Out at Marking Out 11. Same as YouTube, Facebook.com slash Marking Out, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. Use the code REGARDLESS for 20% off for free shipping or and get free shipping. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com regardless. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, leave reviews, rate, and subscribe. Stitcher Radio, marketout.com, and we wish you the, the Best of luck in your future endeavors. And a Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. Evening. Or morning. Day. Or afternoon. I don't know. Something something like like that. that. Whenever you listen to the show.